that saved a wretch like thee. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first John Newton, what words, I mean, who of us have not listened to Amazing Grace, and the guy's got a voice, and, and one thing I love about Jim Wallace is when you hear his voice, not only is it a good voice, and I know musically it comes out of the throat and all that and whatever, but I'm going to tell you, I know this man, and I know his wife, and what you just heard is a man singing from the depths of his heart. You know, amen? Yeah, wow. And I want you to come back with me to the cross this morning. But there's something different this morning at the cross. Darkness has set in. The Greek people chose a word called skotos, S-K-O-T-O-S which refers to a blackness, a darkness. Folks, it, it, it just didn't come up a cloud, as we say. It wasn't just the storm cloud, but in that part of the world, the word there for earth does not mean the entire earth. It means the center, that, that cross, that moment, that place. There was darkness from 12 noon. Until 3 p.m. That's what's different where we are now. We're talking about the seven words of Jesus from the cross. And you remember each of these I have given you one word after these messages. Which when it's all said and done of the seven words. 
will just simply give you not only the gospel, but how you can share that gospel with someone with simple seven, seven words. Should be sunny right now. Should be a beautiful day at the cross. Despite the fact that three men are being crucified, but it's not. I remember my grandmother, we lived on South Cobb Drive, and she said, Randy, it's coming up a cloud. Remember hearing that statement some of us many years ago? It's coming up a cloud. And I knew exactly what she meant. There was a dark cloud rising. And when we had a dark cloud rising in my house, my grandmother made me close the blinds, close the windows. We didn't have air conditioning. Get uh, to the center of the house and stay there until that cloud, not storm, that cloud passed by. But folks, this wasn't a cloud. This was a darkness. This was a, a darkness that Scotus means almost total darkness where you You couldn't see anything. And then now it is 3 o'clock, probably in the minutes before 3, before we know that Jesus died on the cross at 3 o'clock. And yet before he died, there were three things he was going to say, in essence, or four. and, And he cried out, really it's a transliteration from Aramaic, and that's where we get Eloi. Eloi, it says, Yama Sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you turned your back on me? And people always ask me, they say, Randy, you mean God turned his back on his son? Yes. God, at that moment, forsook the cross. And I am convinced that blackness, that darkness for three hours was the veil of heaven from the sin of Jesus on that cross. I am blown away when I read this statement and I hear it again. And then that second statement where Jesus says, I am thirsty. But notice. He doesn't say that statement until he knows that everything is done. Everything is finished. From 9 a.m. to noon that day on the cross, it was a time of pain, of degradation, and of shame. And during that time, humanity had its way with the Creator Himself. The God who made man out of the dust of the earth was now dying for sin on a cross right before them. And the people then had no more compassion for him than they would have for a dog that's run over in the road so much of the time. Up to this point, Jesus had suffered greatly at the hands of man. And now it is time for him to suffer At the hands of his father. Did you hear that? The cross was not about man having a chance to attack God. The cross was about God judging his son for our sin in the place of you and me. 
So folks, what do these two statements mean? And what did they mean for those people as they stood at the cross? And what do they mean for us today? Well, I want to answer those questions and that particular question in three statements that I've put on your outline this morning. And I want you to look with me to John 15, 34, because here is the first of those three statements I want to make. The first one is this. I want you to write this one down. The sting, the sting of sin. I want to show you something, first of all, about Skotas. We've talked a little bit about it already, the darkness. After humanity had abused and shamed God's Son on this earth, the Father, in essence, turned out the lights. People say, well, this was an eclipse of the sun. Folks, that would not have been possible after at the Passover, which was held just after a full moon. You could not have had an eclipse of the sun. This was not a natural darkness. It was a supernatural darkness. And it appears and believe that this darkness was localized right there around that cross. And people wonder why. Why the cross? What was happening at that point? Why did God cause this darkness to fall? At that moment, folks, the sting of sin. Jesus hung on that cross and he became guilty in those three hours from 12 noon until 3 of every sin that you and I would ever The curse of sin. The lost are held captive in darkness of sin. And that darkness lasted for three hours. Perhaps little sound, little movement. And then at the very end of that three hours, Jesus cried. And folks, there's no way we can even mimic that cry. It was a guttural. I can only imagine. It was a cry because he was bearing the sin of past, present, and future. And folks, we can't even handle our own sin. Much less dying for the sin of all mankind. And at that point, God, as Isaiah said, laid on Jesus the iniquity, the sin of us all. And heaven could not watch it. Do you understand that? God can't look at sin. God will never let your and my sin into heaven. How many of you sinned this past week? Would you raise your hand? 100%. That sin you committed last week keeps you out of heaven. You understand that? And God took that sin that you did last week and He put it on that cross in the form of Jesus and for three hours made the one and only Son of God guilty for every sin that you would commit and I would commit. 
There was a blackness. It wasn't a storm cloud. It wasn't just darkness. Heaven veiled itself of sin. God would not look at it. And God won't look at your sin today. Do you understand that? You can't even come into the presence of God with sin in your life. And then people say, wow, how can I even be in worship? One name. You want to say the name? Jesus. The only way you could get up out of your bed and drive in the rain and walk and hobble or run or crawl and get in this place this morning is because of Jesus. You have no right to worship God. Why? Because of sin in your life. And the only thing that enables you The only name that enables you and me to stand before holy, omnipotent, omniscient God is the name Jesus. He took the sting of sin for you and me. And then he cried, my God. My God. Why have you turned your back on me? People say, oh, God would never do that. He'd never turn his back. You better go back and read the book again. If you think God in heaven didn't turn and veil himself from that cross for three hours, you better go back and read it again. And you go back and do an etymological study of the word skotos, and you read the Greek people use that word to describe total incorporated black darkness. And it was a veil to the point that when Jesus died on that cross, what was the next thing that happened? Do you remember? When Jesus died on the cross at 3 o'clock, the next recorded event that took place was what? Do you remember? The veil in the temple, that 60-foot veil, three inches thick, was torn by God himself from top to bottom. You read in the scripture and you will see the veil represents Jesus. And now Jesus has opened the way. For you to go into the Holy of Holies. Do you understand what that means? What happened when a person of the Old Testament touched the Ark of the Covenant? They died. But now, if we had that Ark and it was standing in front of us right now, did you know that I am convinced in my life completely because of Jesus, you can touch the Ark. He's let you do that. He's given you His blood. He has taken the sting, the pain, the agony, the defeat, the sin, the sting of sin for you. And that's why in Mark 15, 34, Jesus could say, my God, why? Wow. That's the first statement. The second statement is called, and you write this one down, the pain of forsaken. The pain of forsaken. If you've ever been forsaken by someone, 
Perhaps years ago it was a boyfriend or girlfriend. Perhaps it was a friend. Perhaps it was a relationship. I don't know how all that worked out. But you know the pain of being forsaken. The word forsaken means exactly what it says. You have turned the other way. You have turned your back. And that's what Jesus did. And the very fact that you and I can understand the darkness when we mean that Jesus took every lie, every murder, every act of revenge, every aborted baby, every word of blasphemy, every evil deed committed by those who would ever, ever be redeemed by his blood. All of that, God said, I laid upon him. That was pain. Because he was forsaken at that moment. Not that God was turning his back on his son. He was turning his back on the sin that covered his son. Do you understand? And you know, when you and I stand before God, in all that dirty, cruddy sin of our human life that God forgave on that cross... When we stand in heaven itself and we stand before God to give an account of our life, you know what's going to happen? Jesus Christ is going to be right here and he's going to be interceding for me and you. And here's what he's going to do. He's going to say, that's our kid. He's covered by the blood from the top of my head to the bottom of the soles of his feet. Why are you covered in the blood of Jesus? What's so significant about that blood, folks? It's sinless. It's perfect. And when God looks at you, he doesn't see sin anymore. He sees the precious blood. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Wow. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all. Their guilty stains. There was the stain of sin, but there was the pain of forsaken. The pain of suffering for our sin on that cross. Now, you can go back and look at all the passion of Jesus up to this point of that last week in Jerusalem and what he faced. But nothing, folks, nothing can compare to those three hours. For those very three hours, and it's you know how the scripture the scripture is very specific here. It tells you the time the darkness came, and at three o'clock it left right after Jesus died. Isn't that interesting? It was supernatural. It wasn't an eclipse. It was the darkness of sin that had now covered Jesus and every sin that you and I. Whatever commit was on that cross, and Jesus suffered the pain of forsaking. Wow. Uh, I mean, folks, uh, you know, Jesus, while he was on that cross, experienced unfathomable horror. But you know one thing that he did, and I want you to see this with me for a minute. I told you God turned his back on the cross, on sin. That means that for three hours, Jesus was separated from his Father. 
You ever thought about that? Separated from his father for three solid hours. Folks, the horror of separation. You know, there is a literal hell. Scriptures teach that over and over and over again. But the worst punishment of hell won't be the fire. And it won't be the agony. It'll be the very fact that there's no presence of God in hell. And for three hours, three hours, Jesus was separated from Abba Parter, from Daddy. You see the ramifications of that for you and me. Why? Why would that? Sin. Sin. Back in the 1970s, a doctor, physician, wrote a book. Carl Menninger is his name, called Whatever Became of Sin. And this was in the early 70s. And in his book, he simply said, we don't use that word sin anymore. We cover it over. We call it white lie. We do everything we can. We don't call it sin anymore. Matter of fact, we justify our sin. It's okay. God will forgive you. It'll take a read Romans 6. That has a lot to tell you about sin. Paul says, what do we do? Use that as the very fact that we have grace, the very fact that Jesus has forgiven us. Do we use that as a license to sin? Paul says, absolutely not. It's all bound up in your attitude. How much you love Jesus. The more you love Jesus, the less you want to turn your back on Him. There is a pain of forsaken that Jesus experienced in those three hours that none of us can even attempt To understand. Jesus was now the Passover lamb. He took our sin death penalty. No more would the child of God ever be charged for sin. Because God had forgiven that sin. Through grace, you and I are free to live in complete forgiveness. Because of the blood of Jesus. And folks, that ought to be shouting ground for Baptists. That's what he did. When Jesus went to the cross, he went to satisfy God. Jesus did not die to pay the devil. Jesus died because Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Jesus died because the only way that we could ever be free was for an innocent, sinless man to give his life in our place. And that's what Jesus did. You remember some of the people at the cross thought he was calling on Elijah. An ancient Jewish group said that that Elijah would actually come back and aid the righteous Jews in their hour of need. And one of the matter of fact even gave Jesus a drink of water, which was a very weak, weak, weak unfermented type wine that was said to take away the thirst better than plain water. So Jesus then, we know in the other Gospels, took that, but he didn't have the narcotic myrrh in it that we so think in this day and time. And the people thought they would see Elijah that day. They thought they would see a miracle. They thought Elijah would show up and save Jesus. 
But when Jesus cried like he did, and he said that, do you know what else he was doing when he said, Eloi, Eloi, Sabachthani? He was quoting the Psalms. Psalm 22.1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and from my words of groaning? Psalm 22.1. You see, Jesus did that. Remember the temptations? He quoted scripture. He quoted the word of God. But in making that statement, I am convinced he was signaling and telling the world that now he had been judged. It's been done. It's completed. It's finished. So, folks, the word for that, L-O-E, 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 is payment. Somewhere out there, write the word payment by number one and number two. Because Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price for our sin. It's nothing new to any of us in here. But I hope in this morning some of the things I've said have caused you to say, wow, I've never seen it quite like that. But there's a final thing I want to say before we go. And it's a third thing. And I call these, like I say, not only the the sting of Sin, and not only the pain of forsaken, but the third thing right here, the resolve of forgiveness. Write that down, the resolve of forgiveness. In John 19, 28, Jesus makes a very beautiful statement. He says in the Greek, ego I me, dipso, dipso. The word dipso in the Greek means I thirst or I'm thirsty. And he uses that ego I me again uh, in the Greek. Ego and I me. There are two words there. Ego means I. I me means I. And every time you see that in the Greek language, it refers back to the Old Testament. When the Lord gave to Moses at the burning bush, he said, what should I tell them or who should I tell them sent me? And the word is ego I me in the Greek. I am. And right here in this We always say, I'm thirsty, but if you read it in its original language, you see the reference. I believe Jesus intentionally said, I am thirsty. What he was saying was this, folks. It's done. The redemption process, all that we have come to do to die for every sin that humanity would ever commit, I have taken the place of that sin, Jesus says. And now, even in agony, he could relax. Not because of the pain, but because it's finished. And we'll look at that next week, but it's done. There was a resolve to know that in three hours, there was darkness. But at the split second, Jesus died. Now watch this. At the split second Jesus died, the darkness vanished and the veil was ripped. Why? Because God was saying, I just took away the sin of the world. Do you see that? Now folks, that ought to change your outlook on life. 
First of all, if you're a believer, it ought to make you want to jump up. Now, physically, most of us can't. And if you're not a believer, it ought to make you want to say, whoa, I want to know this Jesus. Yes, we want the opportunity to introduce you to him because that same saving power on that cross is available to you right now, right here in this place today. That same miracle of God's forgiveness from that cross at the end of that three hours, that three hours had to happen, folks. It had to happen. The old gospel song, he could have called 10,000 angels. No, he could not. Do you understand that? The Son of God couldn't call one angel to save him. Because he had to die. He had to go to a cross for you and me. He could not save himself. See, even then, that puts a whole new perspective. It was the resolve, the resolve of forgiveness. Now, there are two words right here. Verse 28 of John 19. After this, when Jesus knew that everything was now accomplished. That word accomplished is the word teleo in Greek. It means, it means to bring something to an end, to make it perfect, to finish it, to take care of it, to do it. And what did he bring to an end? Sin. It's cleaned up. It's finished. It's done. And then he also said that the scripture might be fulfilled. The word literally in the Greek, teleio, is the word for fulfillment. It means to consummate. It means to make perfect. It makes to finish, to do it. And later next week, Jesus will make that statement right before he dies. When he makes that incredible words, Tetelestai, it is finished. But now it had been accomplished. The scripture had been fulfilled. And Jesus knew the forgiveness of God. He didn't sin. That fact is absolute truth. But Jesus did become guilty of every sin that you and I would ever, ever commit. And the split second... After that agony of separation from his father on that cross, he experienced total resolve in the perfect forgiveness of the father in heaven. Wow. Wow. So that's why I use the word resolve. But this last word, I want you to write the word atonement. A-T-O-N-E-M-E-N-T. Atonement. God atoned. God took our place. God, every sin that we'd ever commit went to that cross. And now I thirst. It's done. That atonement has been done. He died once and for all. There will be another Jesus. There will never be another Jesus. There will never be another forgiveness. It was given to you on the cross at that moment. And folks, people say today, and I hear people sometimes, well, you know, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior back when I was 15 years old. But about 30 years later, I accepted Him as Lord. Did you know that's impossible? When you accepted Jesus Christ at 13, if it was real, at 13 years old, God came into your life lock, stock, and barrel, everything. He gives it all to you when you ask Him to come in. 
Now, you may not have been letting him be Lord of your life, but you didn't accept him as Lord here. You accept him as Lord right there. You just forgot about it up to this point. So it's that our problem today. Have we forgotten the Lordship of Jesus Christ on the cross? He's still Lord. He's still in control. Amen? This world's in a mess. We all know that. But I do know that the Son of God is sitting in the throne room of God. And as the sovereign Lord of this universe, He is in complete, total, 100% control. Because of these three statements I have just shared with you. So let me show you these words already. Hope you have five of them. We'll end up with seven before it's over with. The first word is forgiveness. Remember? And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. The second word is repentance. From Luke 23, 43. When Jesus said to the thief, I assure you, the day you'll be with me in paradise. The third word is agape. Remember when Jesus looked to his mother and he said to her, woman, here is your son. Today, payment, Mark 15, 34, and then John 19, 28, atonement. Atonement. Your sin has been covered by the blood of Jesus. Back in the 80s, I did a lot of work with a man called Nyman Coleman. He wrote most of the things, work, the workbooks and stuff today called serendipity. A lot of it is still out. Jim will remember a serendipity frog kissing I did at First Baptist Smyrna. Sometime I have to tell you about what a frog kissing is. But Lyman wrote a, just a very short poem about the cross, really from the perspective of Jesus, that I used in, in all these frog kissings and things we did as we worked with Lyman Coleman back in, during those years. And And let me just read it to you as I close. You'll understand the message based on what we said today. And it's written from the perspective of Jesus. Listen. My child, I love you. And I love you unconditionally. I love you good or bad with no strings attached. I love you like this because I know all about you. I have known you ever since you were a child. I know what I can do for you. And I know what I want. To do for you. My child I love you. My child I accept you. I accept you just like you are. You don't need to change yourself. I'll do the changing when you're ready. I love you just as you are. Believe this for I assure you it is true. My child I care about you. I care about every little big or little thing which happens to you. Believe this. And I care enough to do something about it for you on the cross. Remember this. I will help you when you need me. Just ask. I love you. I accept you. I care about you. My child, I forgive you. And I forgive you and my forgiveness is complete. Not like humans who forgive but cannot forget. I love you. My arms are open with love. Please come here. Come here to me. I forgive you. Don't carry your guilt another moment. You see, I carried it all for you on the cross. Believe this. It's true. 
Rejoice and be glad. Wow. That's what Jesus Christ did for you and me in these two statements and in three hours of darkness on the cross. Now, folks, our question is, how will we respond? What do we do now for him? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word that spoke very plainly, very clearly to all of us about you on the cross. But now you've placed in our very heart a decision. A decision that today will be different, that this week will be different because we remember the cross. And we remember, Father, that we were helpless. We remember that there is no other way to heaven than through Jesus. And we remember that you took every sin we would ever commit on that cross that day. Father, I pray for all of us in this room. So many of these in this room have had a personal experience with you. And they know that beyond anything. But Lord, I pray for those who have not had that experience who've never intentionally invited Jesus Christ in their life. And I pray, Lord, that today, because of the cross, today will be their day of salvation, or for many, their day of recommitment. Whatever you would have us to do, Lord Jesus, make us do it. The question is, as the song says, have we really been to Calvary? And how has Calvary changed our life? May it be so, Father. May it be so, in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Daniel and Austin, I want you to stand right here. I want you all to stand to your feet. And whatever commitment, maybe a recommitment at this Easter, as we're moving into Easter, to the cross, to Jesus, to just to say thank you to Jesus for what He's done. And you want to come take these men or me and just say, I'm coming to say thank you, Lord. Maybe you need to come and join Olive Springs. Maybe you don't know Jesus. We'd like the privilege to introduce Him to you. Will you not wait? Will you sing this song as Jim leads us? Have you been to Calvary? Let's sing that right now. Have you been to the cross where the Lord Jesus suffered? Have you been to Calvary? Have you been to the place of redemption for sinners? Have you been to Calvary? Incredible words. Think about what you're saying. Wow. It was Just the prayer. You can your search, prayer. you can find, wow. and try everything man made, but it cannot satisfy. 